Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Weird Flicks, but okay. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Eric. And we are going to talk about The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Yay. (laughs) Eric's very excited. Yes. Tell me, what's a timberman want with being a wiki? Looking to earn a living, it's like any man. Starting new, on the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Did you like the movie? Yeah, I liked the movie. I actually saw The Lighthouse three times already. Jesus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's kind of the reaction everyone's had when I told them I saw it three times. They're like, how did you sit through that three times so soon? Yeah, that was one of my reactions after seeing it. So I went with Eric for his third viewing. Yes. Um, And as much as I liked the movie, I found it very tedious to sit through. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Did you feel that way about The Witch? No, not at all. Okay. That's also very interesting. So uh, this is Robert Eggers' second full-length film after The Witch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone that knows me knows The Witch is my favorite movie from the past probably 20 years. Um, It's so much an Eric movie. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, And this is his second movie. It's um, sort of a set piece movie that's very uh closed up a set just on a uh an island with a lighthouse yeah uh middle of the ocean in the middle of the atlantic um i think it's supposed to be maine um off the coast of maine yeah or new england so probably maine i think it i think it is maine is it okay. i'm pretty sure yeah okay. um but it was filmed in nova scotia yeah. but us both being mainers i mean i can say that looks exactly like yeah. Main coastline. And Robert Eggers is actually from New Hampshire. Yes. Too. So. And he spent a lot of time in Maine growing up. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, very authentic sort of, I think, a bit of a love letter to the area. Yeah. Um, a nice little New England fairy tale. Yeah. Again. <laughs> again. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the Witch was amazing. And I love this movie just as much. Um I'm actually feeling like I might like this movie more. That's Um, crazy. I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. (laughs) I know it's crazy. I, I, yeah, I, I, I re this movie spoke to me in a, in a profound way. Um, Yeah. So anyway, what'd you think of it? So I did like it. Um, I have a huge appreciation for it in terms of art. Yeah. Um, and I know I talk about this a lot, like art versus entertainment. Like mm-hmm. the entertainment factor wasn't completely there for me. I mean, it wasn't completely not there either. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed watching it um, and just watching actors perform at that caliber is always for me enjoyable. Anyways, yeah. um, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are our two main characters. And for the most part, they're our only characters. Basically, they're our only characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they both do such a good job. Uh, Willem Dafoe, in particular, incredible. I really <laughs> unbelievable. Like that was so good. Why just spill your beans? <laughs> That's so good. Like, uh, because what I love about that is that like that line feels comical to a modern audience, but there's also so much menace in it from context. And it's been playing over and over in my head since yeah, I saw the movie. Yeah, and so much authenticity of, like, the time period. And stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's set in 1890s uh, on this lighthouse uh, island, this small this island. Isolated island in the middle of the Atlantic. Yeah, um, and 
Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are what's called wikis, which is the people who maintain the lighthouse. Um, and Willem Dafoe is sort of an old vet. He's been doing this for a very long time. Uh, he has like the whole sailor vibe thing. Robert Pattinson is not a, his, he's not been a wiki before. This is his first time doing this job. Um, he was a, a timberman from before this, uh, who worked up in like Northern Maine doing logging. And he moved to this, uh, from that, from that profession. Um, and he doesn't really know anything yet. He's sort of learning as he's, as he's there, what mm-hmm. he's, is expected of him. He's essentially following orders from Willem Dafoe's character, Thomas. Yeah. Thomas yeah. Wake. Thomas Wake. Yeah. And, and Robert Pattinson is, uh, F. Ephraim Winslow. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is sort of the whole like plot. If you want to say that this movie has a has a plot. Yeah. If you were to summarize, if someone asked what this movie was about, you would basically say that two guys on an isolated island taking care of a lighthouse, and and madness ensues and hijinks <laughs> ensue. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah, this movie begins with them on the island working kind of business as usual uh, right away, especially with the, like the way it's filmed, the aspect ratio. And it's in black and white. Yes. Um, you immediately get a sense of kind of claustrophobia. Yeah. Or I did anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, and isolation. Mm-hmm. So, it's, isolation. Yeah. so it starts out business as usual and kind of slowly spirals into this um I want to say slow descent into madness, but honestly, it seems it's not that slow. It's really not. It's yeah. pretty like mad from the beginning. Yeah, it really is. Which I love about it. Like yeah. I, I was expecting a slower burn, and mm-hmm. I feel like it is immediately crazy. And yeah, like that I really appreciated. Like even though I would have been totally on board with a slow burn, like I feel like I was allowed to get right into it, and I, I really like that about it. Yeah, I rem- a friend told me before I went to see it. He goes, the third act is batshit. So I kept waiting mm. and I was like, oh, this must be like the, this, third the beginning of the third act. Yeah. But it, like, it was just that the whole time. Yeah, it, the movie was the third act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent um, pacing, I would say, given like how unique this movie is and how sort of uh, it's one set, really. It almost feels like a play a bit the way it's filmed like all in one location so much of it is just scenes of like them talking like it's just dialogue yeah it's very it kind of it's like a stage play almost or it could be one easily and it's very allegorical too it like symbolism it's ridiculously (laughs) i just have a word and it's symbolism that's what this movie is. i would say if you're going to tell someone what this movie is about like on surface level, it's what we said, but yes. really, it's like this movie is just a a giant pile of allegories. Exactly. Like, so, if you want to take it for face value, it's pretty much what we said. But it's hard to take it at face value when it starts getting a little bit crazier, and then you have to start looking at the symbols and what it's really trying to say, what it's getting at. Yeah, it might be one of the densest movies f- with for symbolism that I've ever seen. I mean, I can't really think of a movie that spends more time in metaphor and allegory than this movie. I keep thinking, and a lot of people don't like this movie, so I hate to even bring it up, but I keep thinking of Mother. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. I actually loved Mother. Okay. I did, too. I really liked it a lot. Super allegorical. Extremely. I had to look it up afterwards because it went totally over my head, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) It's a really cool movie, though. Yeah. I like Mother a lot. I dug it. Um, but I keep thinking of that because this movie is like very similar mm-hmm. um, in in what it's trying to do. Yeah, in how non uh, uh, what's the word like non terrestrial. It's like it's not it's not dealing in the real. Yes, it's like entirely you're looking at a world of like allegory and and. The idea of the subconscious and cerebral stuff and right, what is physical is, I mean, like, especially in this movie, like what is physical is like that we don't know. 
Like, exactly. Did, did any of this happen at the end of it? And I, I can't. Did it happen? And where did it happen? Yeah. And who did it happen to? I think we can pretty solidly say that Winslow is kind of like our POV character. I, yeah, I would say the movie's following him closer than it is Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um. So... <laughs> I don't even know where to get where started start? because it is so dense. Yeah. Do we want to like go through the plot and then, or like the the play, the play by play, or do we want to just like get into talking about the movie? Like, just get into it. Okay. Like in, in what it means. And yeah. Everything. And just like random things that stood out to us. Like we can talk about, for example, how we beat the shit out of a seagull. That scene is so intense. Like yeah. that dead bird looked like a dead bird. I like, felt so uncomfortable. Yes. And like I did too in, in the best way. Yeah. Like it was so successful um, in conveying what you were, were supposed to feel, I think, which is like, I really don't like seeing this kind yeah. of thing. Like, so the seagulls are brought up a lot too. And I think, isn't there a seagull with one eye? Yes. There's a one-eyed seagull. That's the one-eyed seagull. Okay. Actually. I thought so. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I wonder if one of the seagulls was like him after he died. <laughs> hey, maybe. I don't know. Um, but supposedly there He's not dead though. No, at least not he's, he's, as we know dead. it. Yeah. If he ever was. You don't alive. think he died at all? No, I don't think he died. Ephraim? Okay. Yeah. Who's really Tom, by the way. Did he die or is he dead already? Or like, <laughs> I don't think he's dead. Okay. In fact, I don't know if it matters that he's even a person. Right. Like yeah. That's what this movie's like. Like, yeah. it's like, does it matter that, you know, like, does it matter to try to figure that even out? Like, yeah. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you don't care about spoilers. You probably watched it. And you oh, just yeah, want to know yeah. what the fuck other people are saying. Yes. Because I know that's like why I listen to podcasts. I just want to know what people are saying. And that's sort of the point of this whole yeah. podcast. Hard just spoiler like, alert. Yeah. yeah. This <laughs> episode. Yeah. Exactly. Um because we're digging into like the meaning, like right. we're we're, you know, you, you can't talk about that stuff and review this movie. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no such thing. You can't really spoil. There's not really anything to spoil either. I not mean, they're, plot points. Not really. plot points. Yeah, it's exactly. more just like the more you talk about it, the more people know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that in itself is something that you might, you probably don't want to do before seeing this movie. Like, I think there's there's a real special joy in like going to this movie. And not having context beyond like the trailer, like you know, the, you know, not knowing anything about like what you're getting into. Yeah, I fully agree. Although I think it is good to go into a movie like this and not expect a traditional just well, that's just common sense. Middle and end. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would hope so. If I saw the trailer, I'd be like, "Well, I know I'm not yeah. <laughs> watching like a three act movie with like you know the normal conflict resolution. Yeah, like, this is not that kind of movie. Exactly. So. Winslow yes. has has beef with a seagull yes. from very early in the movie. And Willem Dafoe's character, Tom, Tom yep. uh, basically told him not to mess with the single seagulls. Do not kill the seagulls because it's bad luck. Yeah. It's souls of. He says it's the souls of dead sailors. Dead sailors. What met their maker. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the one-aid seagull, I guess, meets his maker again because <laughs> Winslow just beats the shit out of him. Um, oh yeah, he kills him dead. Yeah, yeah, he kills that bird dead. And then we see the seagulls later on in the film too. But uh, that's just sort of like our intro, and they're throughout. Yeah, there's a strong motif. I mean, like they're a natural part of the landscape right. of New England coastal areas. Like you're not going to get away from that. But I think it's really brilliant that he turned what could just be an environmental thing into uh, a. Not a plot point, but like a, it's part of the character, the story. Like it's more than just a visual cue to be like, this is where we are. It's like, this is actually part of this movie. Yeah. the seagulls. And I think the entire setting kind of just is like that. There's not much that we see that doesn't have anything to do really. Yeah. Um, It definitely feels like one of the most intentional movies I've ever seen as far as like literally everything has some sort of meaning. And I feel like 
there it, there's so much of it that like even seeing it three times there's still stuff that i oh yeah haven't even begun to consider what that means yet not or, only that but like it could mean several different things so you could watch it one time with like one frame of mind and maybe watch it again and see something completely different yeah um yeah, let's talk about the relationship between Winslow and Tom. Okay. Because it's interesting. It's very interesting. To the point where... Okay, so my my feeling about these two characters is that they are two parts of the same person. Okay, I kind of thought that too. Yeah. Um, I think that this movie is like super uh, psychoanalytical. Um if you if you know who like Jung is and like Jungian thought, um, you know he was like a contemporary of of uh, Freud, um, and I think that like both of their stuff can be seen in this movie. But Jung talked about like the shadow self and the idea that mm-hmm. like there's this alternate version of us that we're not complete without, and that I think can be conveyed through the way that Winslow and Tom interact in that they are each other's shadow selves. But also there's like a lot of visual stuff that is in itself like representative of the shadow self, like the projection of Willem Dafoe when he's up on the light, Mm -hmm. like it makes it look like Robert Pattinson's character is projecting the shadow of Willem Dafoe's character like behind him. And there's a lot of stuff like that, like throughout the movie. And I think that that's like a visual cue of like the director knows exactly what he's doing. And he's, he's putting that concept of the shadow self throughout the movie in a, in a visual way so that we know we should be looking for it. And like the two, the two characters to me feel like they are sort of moving towards becoming more, each other than they start at the beginning but yeah absolutely they start out very uh like a very kind of professional relationship uh tom is basically giving orders and winslow is following them yeah um and he's very strict with them too uh worth mentioning i guess and throughout their time on the the island um, tom's character is kind of pressuring winslow's character to drink yes and it's not until they're quote unquote last night on the island that he finally does and once he does then their relationship gets a lot more interesting it changes dramatically it changes yeah yeah and i think alcohol can have that effect on our relationships with ourselves too like you know the the relationship we have with with that substance manipulates who we even are in ourselves i think and um Please excuse if I sound like I'm talking out of my ass because I actually don't drink really, <laughs> yeah. um, but I have had alcohol. Like I know, and and more than that, I I have observed people who have gone through alcoholism and people and and much more casual relationships with alcohol than that too. And I think that it still can have an effect on a person in a specific way. Um, and that's that's a non judgmental statement it's more that it changes you not that it changes you in a bad way it's just that like it has an effect on your psyche um and also it can be representative of like the release of inhibition and the release of order um it can it can be the chaos to the order of sobriety or it can it can be so many things right um but yeah there's but yeah, so we see like a huge shift in their relationship yeah. and how they interact after that. Um, and I feel like they flip flop a lot too, which is like kind of stressful to watch. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they like, uh, they'll get a little chummy and they'll get along and then they'll be fighting. Yep. Like you literally think that they want to kill each other. Yeah. Because they probably do. And then the next minute they're dancing, to, slow dancing together. Yeah. I mean, it's just. That scene actually is really interesting, I think, when they're slow dancing together because it ends and Willem Dafoe attempts to kiss mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson and he pushes him away and then they start beating each other up. Yeah. And to me, that scene felt so much like repressed um, 
sexuality and not not like I didn't even pick up on it as being like homosexual. Like right. I picked on, up on it more as like this is someone attempting to get in touch with themselves emotionally. Yeah. And Winslow definitely had a hard time with that. I mean, like right. they yeah. show him masturbating several times throughout the movie. Yeah. Most of the time to like a little wooden carving with some boobs on it. Like yeah. a token <laughs> of a mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he keeps having these dreams too that are sexual in nature when it comes to the mermaid anyways. And also guilt ridden. Like there, yeah. there's, very like psychologically complex yeah. dreams for sure. Um, yeah, there's so much symbolism. It's like, where do I even begin yeah. talking about this movie? Like, you know, I think you can look at the lighthouse itself and say, like, is that a phallus? Like, right. does it represent a phallus? The the tip of it, the light being this like life-giving thing and this thing to worship and... Yeah, and then I think he walks up to it at one point, you know, when he's kind of spying on um, Tom. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like Tom's doing some sexual shit up there. Yeah. Too, which I think we're supposed to assume, Yeah, it seems like he's masturbating. Yeah, like to the light. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like it's it's like a sexual worship of the light. Yeah, right. And that turns into... Not just masturbation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we definitely have a lot of like sexual themes throughout as well. Yeah. I definitely took it less and and I'd be interested to hear what you have to say because like I took it way less as like a comment about homosexuality and way more about the idea of just repressed intimacy in these in these two men who are one person. No, I 100% felt the same way. I mean, they kind of, they make his like sexual frustration pretty apparent. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that one moment where he tried to kiss him didn't make me think Either about the homosexuality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like sexually frustrated. If super anything, sexually frustrated. there's like a super uncomfortable scene, um, where Winslow is like, once again, masturbating and he like, can't get off like furiously masturbating. And he doesn't, he cannot, he cannot. And then he just sort yeah. of collapses and like, and he's so defeated. frustrated and so like worn out by that. And, and I was frustrated for, for him. him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, but like, as he's doing that, when you look at his, the environment, like the, he's doing that in like the room that they sleep in. And that room is like, a shambles by the time he's doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like rain is pouring through the ceiling. You know, there's so little structure that maintains itself at that point yeah. in their, the architecture of where they are. I which, think, yeah, I think everything starts to kind of deconstruct. Yeah. As the very movie goes on. Yeah, very yeah. physically. Um, kind of even him in his physical state, he gets like a little more like, I don't know, like forlorn in his manner i guess but, yeah um, super unkempt yeah unkempt yeah. is probably a better word and then uh at one point like a wave crashes through the lighthouse and it's i mean that's near the end and it's completely like destroyed oh it's bedlam inside. yeah afterward it's like there's nothing is intact nothing's where it's supposed to be um there's also like a scene where he throws the two like completely full bedpans and like a <laughs> yeah. wind throws it back into his face, <laughs> which I think is supposed to be comedic. Like, you know, he screams and it gets cut off yeah. and stuff. But I think it's also supposed to be like a moment you empathize with this guy. Like his life is just shit. Like right. at it, every turn. At every turn. And like everything is frustrating and challenging. Yeah. The wind literally moves to make his life hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and, you know, arguably he did that to himself, mm-hmm. which I think the movie is, is also about our self-destructive tendencies as, as humans. There's a, I think one of the most telling moments of dialogue is right near the beginning when Tom Wake, uh, Willem Dafoe's character, says the, the absolute worst thing is the boredom that strikes in, in moments like this. Mm -hmm. And I think order and tasks and all that stuff is designed to keep away that ennui that, that the, he calls it the doldrums. 
And he says that they're eviler than the devil. And like, to me, that is like sort of what this movie is about is that we have these striking tendencies as, as human beings to when we are not stimulated and we have nothing to occupy ourselves with, we become self-destructive, like immensely self-destructive as we attempt to impart meaning on meaningless things. Right. and that's like on a larger scale too. I mean, I'm sure everyone has had a touch of cabin fever. Like, yeah. Just think about your state of mind when that's happening and then just kind of amplify it. Times a billion. Times a billion. Yeah, and that's like what this movie is. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so uncomfortable in a sense is that like, you know, you're watching this. It seems like madness. And I think people don't know how to relate to that as like normie audiences. But I also think that part of what makes them not like things like this is because they refuse to empathize with it because it's super uncomfortable to think about that. That's like inside all of us is, Mm -hmm. is that ability to go fully crazy if you don't have, if you're not like a part of society and you don't have like normal stimulation. It's so destructive to your psyche. Yeah. So, so destructive. And like, you know, I, I know this is like far detached, but you, your job, it involves not being home like all the time and oh so God, much yeah. just waiting around. Yeah. And like, I know how much that weighs on you because you, you talk about it. Yeah. And it's like, that's literally like, you know, granted a more innocent version right. of like what on a they smaller are going, scale, on a smaller I can scale. Like completely relate. Right. Like you literally, you go through that all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like it, little things can become big things when you're right. like that because it's all you have. And exactly. like, it's, there's also, I think the movie does a really intelligent job of like, uh, using historical reference points for that specific thing. Cause like, I'll just, I'll just say the last thing you see in this movie is Robert Pattinson on the beach after he collapsed down the stairs after he finally accessed the light of the lighthouse and he's being he's being eaten essentially by seagulls Mm -hmm. and he doesn't appear to be dead he appears to be dying right and consumed by seagulls and that's the way the movie ends so super happy ending um and what i took that as symbolically is like all i could think of was the Greek myth for Prometheus. Yeah. He was like a pre-Olympian God. He stole the light from the gods who didn't want to give it to mankind. Yeah. Gave it to mankind. And for that transgression, he was chained to a rock and a bird eats his liver out every day. Yeah. It happens forever. Yeah. So it's like pretty literal. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a literal moment. And we see so much of the, of him, of the light too, representing the fire, I think of the lighthouse, like the idea that he, he keeps trying to get it from Willem Dafoe, who is unwilling to share it. Um, mm-hmm. And in the, in the context of Prometheus, he wants it for not just for himself, but he wants to give it to, to man too. And oftentimes that myth is considered to represent not literally fire, Um, but to be like man's ability for abstract thought, Mm -hmm. like our, our ability to invent and be creative. And it's what separates us from other animals. And there's also in later time periods in earth, there's like the idea of the sort of like hierarchy of being and there, and humans are like in between there's animals, humans, and then there's like angels and divine stuff. And I feel like, humans often sort of ride that line in a, in an inconsistent way. And like, so, and this movie feels like it's about them dipping into both sides of that. Cause there's like the lighthouse is like this divine deified thing. And so much of their behavior is base and animalistic and stuff like yeah. that. And it makes so much sense him trying to um, basically get to the light in the lighthouse, which symbolically could be, you know, the light that Prometheus wanted to steal yeah. from the gods. Um, that being abstract thought and the ability to think that way 
when you recall his deconstruction of his psyche essentially throughout the entire movie makes yeah. complete sense that it would end like that. And also I love that scene when he finally gets Oh my god, it's so good. It's great. The effect of his like blown out audio yeah. as he's screaming. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. So good. And then he falls all like we have this great shot of him like actually descending doing a downward spiral da- a literal yeah. downward spiral as he falls down the stairs and then is out on the rocks as mm-hmm. prometheus um and he mentioned i mean willem dafoe mentions prometheus too in yeah. the um in another absolutely stunning scene where robert pattinson is burying him alive and another one of my favorites from oh my god it's so good <laughs> and willem dafoe is is essentially like monologuing monologuing <laughs> as he's being buried alive mm-hmm. as dirt is being as dirt is being tossed, tossed into, into his, his face mouth. and mouth and he's like chewing earth as he's giving this incredible performance like that's one of the most amazing things i've like ever seen an actor do like that was just it was incredible i thought that was great and he has another really good kind of monologue moment too um a funnier when, one yeah, yeah when they're talking about um Basically, he's cooking. Winslow said he doesn't like his cooking. Yeah. And he doesn't even really say he doesn't like his cooking. He just says he really wants a steak. Yeah. He, and, yeah. <laughs> and Willem Dafoe is like, well, you don't like my cooking? Like, he, he takes yeah. it as like, you right. don't like my cooking. And then he does this whole monologue and curses him. Um, that but curse yeah, yeah, is incredible. That scene was really good. And I like the addition of humor. I think without these small additions of humor throughout, it would be even more difficult to sit through. Like, you need that. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's not misplaced. No, it it doesn't feel, it never feels forced. Like, I think The Witch is a much more humorless movie than this. Oh, yeah. But The Witch can get away with it because it's not this bleak and it's not this claustrophobic. Right. And it's a little more traditional from like a plot perspective. It is. So you can like follow it and your brain isn't like searching for just any grounding rod like yeah. in the in where you're at and this movie it's madness like the whole thing is just madness mm-hmm. so to have a little bit of humor in there i think gives you just the right amount of like i can keep sitting through this and enduring it yeah because it, it's like an endurance it feels like an endurance to like sit through this whole movie yeah um, uh, it does um but I don't want that to sound like I didn't enjoy every minute. Right. Of it. No, I feel the same way. I'm like, I liked it. I just, I don't know if I could sit through it three times so close together. Like I actually could. know that I can. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I know for because a fact that you can. Yeah. Figured um, out a way to do that. <laughs> also, another theme that was pretty apparent throughout is um, time. Oh, yeah. Or the lack the of lack. knowing what is happening, time, yeah. chronologically speaking. Which was also another way to disorient, I think, the audience as well as uh, the characters. But uh, right before they have their first drink, their last night, technically, on the island. Yeah. So um, the last time, so the last time in the movie where you know, where you you're, know, you're supposed to know where you're at in the, right. in the time of the story. After that, they kind of never leave, and you're thinking, Wait, that wasn't that supposed to be their last night? And uh turns out they missed the, the boat. boat. Yeah. Um, and then like a day goes by and Tom says to Winslow, you know, it, it's been several days, it's been weeks, whatever. So we just like never know yeah. really how long it's been or how long they've been there. Yeah. Um, Completely unreliable narration. Like the entire time oh, yeah. too. Just another really effective way of disorienting yeah. us. Yeah, um, the I mean, this is like one of the most audience disorienting experiences I can I can think of. Yeah, and they definitely there were like a few shots of clocks and things that like looked like clocks too. So I knew they like wanted us to like pay attention. Yeah. Remember the fact that you don't know what time it is or what day it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's actually a scene too where he punches a clock yeah. towards the end of the movie. And I, w- I was going to ask you because I don't remember. Do you remember? He like punches it and then he like twists his hand a little mm-hmm. bit in it. Do you remember which way he twisted his hand? I certainly do not. I don't either. I watched <laughs> it three times, so I don't blame you. Yeah. But he do- he he punches a clock towards the end and he, and he twists his hand into the 
broken clock. And I do wonder which direction he went because I feel like that itself could have meaning. Yeah, but, clockwise or counterclockwise. Yeah, but there's a there's a scene right after that where um, Willem Dafoe. I keep calling them by their actors' names because technically Robert Pattinson's name is Tom. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that part yeah. yet. Um, but there's a scene later on where Willem Dafoe um, mentions like what happened to your hand, and then he's like your other hand and he makes him look at his hand and then he says he mentions tetanus and he says like it'll that'll you know your hand will stiffen up you know things will get bad and um that i think is really an interesting comment because like on a face value that's like something that people in this situation would just say to each other but i think there's also the question of like because tetanus is something that develops over time you know, it it could be representative of the fact that, like, the longer they're there, the worse it's going to get. Um, but, yeah, there's there's so much symbol. I mean, like, I feel like we're, even now we've still, like, barely scratched the surface of, like, mm-hmm. how much symbolism there is in this movie. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the mermaid. Like, we haven't yeah, talked barely about. talked about the mermaid or the giant squid, which is, like... I no. love it. Like a Lovecraftian god kind of thing. It is. I think it's Lovecraftian a little bit, but I don't think the movie as a whole really is. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, I understand how that vibe is sort of given off. But yeah, and then we also didn't even talk about like a super important plot point of when Winslow reveals his name and how he came to be at the lighthouse. Yes. Um, or so he says. Um, he talks about how he used to work as a logger um, and he worked with this guy that he didn't like and essentially witnessed him drown and didn't do anything didn't save him, yeah. to save him on purpose. Yeah. Um, and he's, is he carrying guilt or is he just carrying the fact that he knows it was bad of him to do that? I think he's carrying guilt. Yeah. But he also, he also changed his name after that. Yep. And he like started his life over. So if you think about identity as part of our consciousness and not just as like, your physical identity, like your your name and your address and stuff like that. Um, and the idea that he maybe adopted aspects of that person himself and then eventually reveals that his name is the same as Willem Dafoe's character. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea of like, well, is he, is he adopting the people that, you know, is he adopting something of the people that he is stuck with Surrounded in these intimate by, yeah. moments and and what does that mean as far as like the psychology of why why did he say his name was something that it wasn't when he first showed up to the lighthouse you know why and and he answers that in like a normal way by saying like you know i knew i want to start a new life and there was mm-hmm. no prospects for this person but you know yeah. um his character is certainly very fixated on the fact that he's a drifter. Yeah. Also, the fact that he has watched this man drown. These are two things that seem to kind of build his personality in terms of the one character. You know, if you're not looking at the whole picture. Right. Um, and he's, he frequently sees little dreams or flashbacks of this man that drowned. Yeah. Um, and then he sees that congruently sometimes with, like, the image of the mermaid, like, in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take very much time before we see he kind of hallucinates or whatever logs and then he sees the mermaid under the water yes. and she like screeches. That was a really cool shot. Oh by my the God. Way. Yeah. The sirens <laughs> call that she has yeah. is so good. Like, yeah. And yeah, that shot of him because, you know, we see, see this nightmare very early on that he's having where the ocean sort of fills with logs and then it's like he's back in that moment where that guy died mm-hmm. and he sees him floating face down. And he descends underwater and you think you're going to see that guy's face or something. But instead, it's just the open sea and you see a mermaid like from a distance calling to him. And then he wakes up and just yeah. brilliant. Just this brilliant. whole thing kind of seems just like a nightmare. Oh, yeah. 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 The whole yeah. The whole dream feels like or the whole movie feels like it's it could just be this dream of yeah. like extended psychological trauma. And yeah. It's so guilt like and stuff. Austere and claustrophobic and nightmarish and surreal and like your your perception of time is completely out the window Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and i i feel like um 
you know, you see later on the mermaid on the beach um, as if she had like come up dead to the, from the the ocean or something. But then as he's there, she sort of becomes aware and starts doing her call again. And, and he runs screaming Mm -hmm. and um, there's the motif of like, the blasting horn sound of the oh, yeah. lighthouse itself, too. Yeah, have we not even talked too? about the blasting horn? It's I like know. one of the first things you hear. And the minute that I heard it, I was just thinking, are they going to do this throughout the whole movie? The whole movie. And they basically do. Yeah, they basically do. And I mean, it's really it added to the atmosphere. I so mean, much. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, it's such a compelling audio cue. Um, and they And they put it together with the siren call in that moment of him sort of fleeing from her once he finds her on the beach um yeah there's just i feel like we barely we still like there's a scene too where he's uh working on the lighthouse and he's being uh suspended by a rope that is being held by one of the character and he's painting the side of the lighthouse white and then the rope snaps and he falls quite a distance he comes to and it seems as if there's never really any consequence to him falling. Like he doesn't appear to have suffered any injury, even though that looked like a pretty calamitous moment. But Willem Dafoe has a limp that we've seen through the whole movie. And it makes me question again, like feeling like these are the same people. Like, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of sort of nods to that. I think. And during that one part where, Winslow is trying to leave on the boat. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, super unreliable narration then, moment. Yeah, and then Tom comes and basically just hacks at it with his axe and screams, "Don't leave me!" Yeah, which is like a really interesting way for him to. Yeah, yeah. and then once they get inside, he says, "You destroyed the boat." Yeah. So he accuses Winslow of doing it, and I don't know. It's just sort of like another. I don't know. Maybe a self-destructive thing. Yeah, there are two moments like that. Yeah. It's like that. This movie, lit- I actually just thought of this. This movie literally is the meme of Spider-Man pointing at himself. Like the cartoon <laughs> Spider-Man pointing at himself. When it's like, when you finally realize who is responsible for, for your, ruining your ruining life. Your life yeah. And it's Spider-Man pointing at himself. <laughs> like, this movie is literally that. It's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh God, I feel like it's... We could go on for like hours with as far as like if we wanted to like really meaning, dis- deconstruct yeah. it, we could. But I feel like we've given a good like gloss over of yeah. the the kind of content that you'll get in this movie and like what some of it could mean and the motifs. Yeah. Um, and a couple watches might do you some good. Yeah, or three. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. I feel like I'm gonna go see it again probably. Oh, good. I'm so I'm obsessed. <laughs> Um, you probably think there's something wrong with me now that I'm... No, I, no, I don't. <laughs> Nothing more wrong than Not you are. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, just the normal amount <laughs> the of normal wrong. The normal amount of really messed up. <laughs> um, I will say, though, uh, from just, like, other things you can say about this as a movie, um, being shot on film in 35mm with that aspect ratio, and he even used, like, old film stock that looked like it was of even older than just black and white, like silent film era looking film stock mm-hmm. looks incredible. Like this is one of the most striking visual movies I've ever seen. It's really special in that way. I think Yeah, there's so many shots that I could like, whenever I'm watching a movie, I like take screenshots in my mind. Yes. <laughs> like what looks like a good, yeah. So I did that. And like every, times. every, every shot is a painting in this movie. Like, yeah, it's pretty much just incredible. Um, and then when you combine that with some of the footage you got of the storms, like at sea, like, I don't even know how that's, I don't even know if it's real. Like it, it's so incredible shots of like lightning taking up the whole sky and like, you know, 30 foot waves hitting these rocks and like just shots of the ocean in turmoil is like, so, cause I have like a deep innate like dread and fascination with the ocean. And I feel like this movie is like, that's probably why it speaks to me so much is it's like 
really compounding on a thing that is like one of the most primally powerful things in my psyche. Yeah. Like, well, I think in a lot of people's, I think naturally man versus ocean is like a really big yeah. theme anywhere, or especially in like these maritime, like yeah, yeah, yeah. folk tales, essentially. Yeah. The ocean is big and scary. I it don't think is. anyone's going to disagree with that and yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, and this movie does a good job of portraying that, even though it's, takes place a lot of times in just like a small room in a lighthouse. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Also, I, I feel like there are heavy allusions to like movies that Robert Eggers loves. Like when you first go into the lighthouse tower and you see the chains hanging and it's like this wet dangling clinking chains and stuff. It's like, that's alien, like yeah. straight up. That's that hangar bay and alien. Yeah. Or when amazing. Or when Tom's running with the ax. So much the shining. Very the shining. Yeah, when he's like limping and running with the axe. It's like exactly the Jack Torrance run. Yep. Um, yeah, just I, I feel like even though those are like kind of overt allusions to probably movies that he adores, nothing about it feels heavy handed or ugly or unoriginal. Like it all feels like he funneled that through something that is like very original and very artistic and yeah it's just it's such a special it's such a special movie it is so out of five stars a billion okay Uh, so five (laughs) five, yeah i guess Uh, yeah i mean this is this is like literally i think gonna be my favorite movie of the past like few decades like it's just that good to Even me. Even more than The Witch. Yeah, more than The Witch, which was which was like my favorite movie from however many years mm-hmm. back. Um, I usually say Aliens, my favorite movie. Yeah, just like a all time classic. Yeah, like an all time classic, and and I think that as film progresses, it's it's easy to say new movies are like able to use techniques that just make them better, like. You know, the, the sound design in The Lighthouse is better than the sound design in Alien. Because the sound design is so good. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> but, you know, there's something to be said about, like, Alien's historical yeah. setting and context and, like, what it had done that hadn't been done before. There's, like, appreciation outside of just watching it that makes it my favorite. And I think that this movie, even though, you know, you can safely say, like, this movie, maybe Robert Eggers wouldn't be considered the visionary that he is if he wasn't standing on the shoulders of like so many auteur directors right. that came before him. But that being said, I think like this is still a truly original experience yeah. that you shouldn't take anything from him for that. Like that's just the nature of like film continuing yeah. to be made. Um, and I would I would never fault him for that. I don't think there's anything like grossly derivative about this movie. I think it's like no, I don't think so truly either. unique for the time we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that it makes statements to, like in, in vague, very abstract ways. I think that it can be seen as like statements about things that we are talking about in contemporary times, like toxic masculinity and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a very male dominated. Yeah. Movie. This movie is very masculine. Yeah. It's like, and I and I actually, I'm always cu- I'm curious. Like, do you feel like? I know you liked the witch, and I'm wondering because that's more feminine mm-hmm. and this is more masculine. But they're both made by a male director. Yeah. And I I wonder like, does this movie make you feel like more alienated from the characters because of its inherent masculinity or? Um. Not outwardly. I didn't feel like that watching it. I guess I just don't think about it, though. Like, maybe subconsciously. Yeah. I wasn't relating as much, but I I guess I didn't, on a surface level, I didn't really feel that way. But mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like, I, I've always, you know, I, watching them both, I love movies um, about, like, I really love The Witch because I love movies that are, like, about femininity as 
almost like weaponized, like, you know, like a thing where men are so scared of like unrestricted, yeah. unfettered womenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think The Witch is like, that's part of why I think that movie is incredible. But this movie is like the opposite of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's so much about just like the the pitfalls of masculinity and, you know, the psychosis inherent in masculine. It's like, yeah, it's very like male going crazy. Yeah. And it's all tied up within oneself. Yeah. It's not like the effect on femininity or anything. Right. It's just that on its own. Um, but yeah, I give this four out of five stars. Four out of five stars. Yeah. Okay. Just because it's tedious. So, like, as mm-hmm. a whole, I can't say it's perfect, but I probably wouldn't give a perfect rating to many things. Um, That's fine, yeah. I mean, I, I think for, like, the average film goer, this is a slog. This movie's, like, yeah. work to sure. watch. Um. And I super love that, but I'm weird. So mm. I don't expect other people to come out of this saying they give it a billion stars out of five. Yeah. And that's not to like take credit away from some people too. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people out there that would enjoy it anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I, I'm honestly very surprised. I've recommended this movie to a ton of people and everyone basically yeah. that I told to see this movie liked it. That is a little surprising. Super but... surprising. Um, for me, anyway. And But great. Super pleasantly surprising. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you found a new favorite film. I know. Like, I literally found a new <laughs> so favorite exciting. film. So exciting. Congrats. Thank you so much. Good times. What, um, just because it came out this year as well, uh, how would you compare this to Midsummer? Mm, not similar enough to compare. Really? Okay. I don't know. I enjoyed Midsummer a lot. Yeah, I love. I'd watch that. I'd rewatch that several times. I wouldn't rewatch this one. That's what I meant. Kind yeah, of. like rewatchability yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Midsummer is more watchable to you. Yes. Than the Lighthouse. Okay. That's interesting because I feel the other way around. Actually. Really. I do. Yeah, but I also think your response is more normal. Like, mm-hmm. I think that I'm weird for feeling that way. Yeah. Because um, I feel like Midsummer is just more watchable, like, objectively. Yeah. And I feel like The Lighthouse is just more, like, calling to me, specifically, for yeah. whatever reason. That's cool. Everyone has their things they like. Yeah. Nothing true. wrong with that. Um, yeah. So, that's The Lighthouse. Loved it. Want to see it again? Yeah. Our next podcast is probably going to be about Parasite. We're going to see that Very one Very excited about Parasite. Yeah. yeah. Um, this has been a surprisingly good year, I think, for movies. It has. I wasn't expecting it to be. And then it mm-hmm. kind of just, like, out of nowhere has some of my favorite stuff I've seen in a while. Yeah. And we're in award season now. So who knows, yeah. you know, what, what we're getting. We get? yeah. Um, but, yeah, thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode. Thanks, guys.